peeps, the 22nd of February. I got to look. I mean, it's like Thursday. Hope everybody's well. One o'clock on the East Coast. Big show today. I don't want to waste a lot of time. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. We we do have a big show. We have a very special guest. That would be Dan Niles of the Satori Fund. Um, and he's going to be joining us, breaking down all the action that's going on in the semi-space, obviously specifically as it relates to NVIDIA uh, and what it's doing to the broader market, not just its own stock guy, as it's approaching $2 trillion in market cap. I think you and I are both extremely um, surprised um, by that. And we also have Carter Braxtonworth, of worth charting and he's going to help us chart it all um should we just run through the rundown really quickly absolutely let's take a look this is fun watch what we're doing behind us now this is pretty oh look at that that. there he goes so the aforementioned down dan niles is going to react to nvidia earnings and other things as well we put an x through magnificent seven because it's X marks the spot. Well, now and it's, it's a just, fantastic four. And Dan uh, is actually going to help us break down some of the dispersion that we're seeing in the formerly magnificent seven. And then Carter is obviously going to do the thing with the chart. So we can't wait to have him. Guys, before we get to Dan, let's just talk a little bit about this. Entering this holiday shortened week, it seemed like all eyes were on this one print of one stock. You and I have been talking about it on Market Call all week. I mean, it was pretty astounding. All the stuff that I read, all the different macro guys, all the specific you know, like sector guys, everybody was focused on this one stock heading in. We were focused on it. We thought the potential for a disappointment would actually have lots of knock-on effects in other areas. We're talking about like the GLP-1 mm-hmm. trade, right? These are all very crowded trades. They've all gotten expensive, all this stuff. Talk to me a little bit about this because you just said, you just shook your head before we came on air. You said the S&P has rallied 100 handles, basically back to a new all-time It's, a, it's remarkable. On this congratulate, you know, listen, there have been a lot of people have been bullish in individual stocks and in the broader market. Extraordinarily well done. Obviously, you know, I didn't think this was going to happen in NVIDIA. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say it's, I foresaw this because I did not. And again, you know, it's a remarkable company and and Dan can speak to this. Dan Niles can speak to this. You can as well. But, you know, I just think the magnitude of the guides are still impressive, but they seemingly are slowing down. And at a certain point, when you start to see that sort of go the other way, things sort of catch up to you. But that's not for today's show. That's yeah. clearly for another time. Yeah. And I guess the point is, it's like, you know, listen, you and I have read a bunch of research. We've read through the transcript already. I, guys like Dan, you know, um, this is what he does on a daily basis um, with all of the names that he follows here. But I just think it's interesting. Maybe they can flash this article up in the Wall Street Journal today. NVIDIA declares AI a whole new industry uh, and investors agree. And they're talking about the stock being up 15%. But I think this quote is really important. Important. So this is from the CEO Jensen Wang here. Um, this last year, we've seen generative AI really becoming a whole new application space, a whole new way of doing computing. NVIDIA's co-founders said um, a whole new industry is being formed, and that's driving our growth. Like we get that, okay? Like, 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 got it, right? Like, but I guess my point is, guy, this does definitely has a, a feel of history rhyming if not repeating and i get it 25 billion dollars in sales going to 100 billion dollars in sales in a year or so it, it it is a whole new industry but what is in the stock at two trillion i guess well that's, that's the, i mean yeah. that's really the question right how much of this has been pulled forward in the form of the stock price and that's what the market is i think dealing with right now obviously today the market is saying you know what not nearly enough at a certain point people yeah. are say you know maybe it's gotten ahead of itself i don't know what those catalysts are but listen in a word this is an extreme yeah. 
extraordinarily impressive day. All right, let's do it. To break it all down with us is Dan Niles. He is of the Satori Fund. You can find all of his writing, all of the, any, anything you need to know about his fund and his process at danniles.com. Dan, welcome to Market Call. My pleasure being on. Thanks, Dan and Guy. Thanks for jumping on, Dan. So let's get right into it. I mean, we'll talk about maybe the broader market in a minute, but what, is, what, did, what were your takeaways from this NVIDIA quarter? And is this move to the upside justified in your opinion? Um, the answer is yes and no. And what I mean by that is the following. We had all heard about lead times coming down. And what that means is you order a chip when you get it. Three months ago, you ordered their highest end chip. You got it a year from now. Three months later, you order a high, their high-end chip. You can get it in three to four months. And typically mm -hmm. with semiconductor companies, that's never a good thing because it means a combination of supply ramping up or demand not being as strong as it was before. What happened was when they put out the release, they actually came in a little light of the whisper numbers in terms of the guidance. They guided to $24 billion. Most people have been thinking they would guide to 25 to 26 billion. So that looks light. And the stock was down, you know, a few percentage points in the in the aftermarket. And then the, the commentary came out that China was down substantially. And that's important because that was one of the issues that I think all of us who like NVIDIA and who believe in the AI revolution were worried about because you know that that demand was sort of pulled forward because the Chinese were so worried about getting chips cut off. And demand from China went from a 22% roughly of revenues in the prior quarter, October, to about 5% mm -hmm. in the January quarter. And that's when the stock started to rip because we all looked at that and said, okay, one of the two big risks that we had is now off the table because they reported strong results. They got it below the street, but now China's down to 5% of revenues. We can believe that. And that kind of risks that part of the story. And the stock is still incredibly cheap in the mid-30s PE. And even after this move, right, because the estimates go up so much, it's still incredibly cheap. And to put it in perspective, because, you know, I lived through the 2000 bubble, Cisco back then, which was the most valuable company in the world for a period of time back in March of 2000, when it got to that level, it was trading at a PE of about 135 times on about 60% revenue growth. NVIDIA is growing revenues at, you know, I think the numbers are up to about eight, almost 90%, but the PE is 35 times. Yeah, but but, but Dan, let me, let me interrupt for one second, yeah. okay? So, so so this period, so, so revenue last year grew, you know, over 100%, expected this fiscal year to grow above 70%, okay? That's, that's the estimates right now, right? So then yeah. when you look at the out year, though, we're looking at about 20% growth, okay? So I just want to be really clear here. You know, the stock has gained a trillion dollars in market cap, you know, in the last like basically month and a half, two months, which I think reflects that. So, and I hate to interrupt you. I just wanted to make the point though, because at some point in the not so distant future, Dan, I suspect you're going to say the market is going to start anticipating the fact that, right, that we're not going to see material upside unless, here's the thing, okay, you tell me, if China being so bad was good, when they make a transition to the kind of the next gen, is it that 
they will be able to sell the last gen to China? Is that kind of the thought process? And there you're going to see um, demand pick up again from China. And I'm just curious like, because I don't know how if if we're going to see decelerating revenue growth that's going to go into the teens. I suspect at some point in the not so distant future, the market won't start discounting that a little bit. Well, I, so finishing off the thought process because this is it's it's complicated, right? Yeah. And. Right now, and I haven't, I haven't seen the up, all the numbers haven't come in yet. Yeah, but nobody has Nvidia's growth going down sequentially for like eight quarters. I would bet anything that that's wrong, and I believe you're going to have a big down sequential quarter probably at some point over the next year. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're going to have a big problem in the stock because. Yeah. The other side of this is, okay, we de-risked, as I said, we de-risked one of the two things we were worried about. The second thing is everybody knows that all of the hyperscalers, every company has been double and triple ordering in the United States these products. So at what point do lead times come down enough and you're not getting the upside from all this investment that you thought you were. Some companies are. Meta clearly is getting the upside from it. And that stock's been on a monster tear too. And it's one of our, our, our top picks for this year along with Amazon. But other companies, and we've heard about Microsoft Copilot not necessarily seeing the uptick in demand that they thought. Other companies are not necessarily seeing it as much. And so at some point down the line, you're going to have those things combine and that's when you're going to have, you know, you're going to figure out what is the real revenue growth rate? What is the real order rate? But, you know, I think the, the key is I always think back to 2000 and that bubble lasted longer than any of us imagined possible. And, and the famous one is Alan Greenspan saying, you know, saying irrational exuberance about the market. The thing people forget is he said it in 1996 and the mm -hmm. S&P almost doubled over the course of the next four years. So, you know, bubbles can last longer than you ever imagined. And from a time perspective, ChatGPT only showed up in November of 2022. So it's hard to imagine that just in a year and a, you know, a quarter, let's say, that you've seen all the bubble building involved in that. And that's why I sort of, when you marry that with a PE in the mid thirties for Nvidia, that's why I think, you know, you can stay with this for a while longer. But don't get me wrong, the fact that the lead times have come down from about a year to three to four months, it's something I'm really watching because you've seen this for every other semiconductor company over the course of the last 18 months, is that when that happened, all of these double and triple orders left over from COVID evaporated and you ended up with massive guide downs. What saved a lot of these companies is then you had the AI hype kick in, and I shouldn't say hype, but you had the AI revolution kick in at the end, you know, beginning of 2023. And that sort of powered these companies higher, regardless of whether they lived up to the, you know, the potential like an NVIDIA, or they ended up missing numbers. Because don't forget, every stock has gone up to some degree that's around the AI trade. I mean, AMD guided below the street for their March quarter. The stock is still up big this year. So, um, you know, I think that's something to keep in the back of your mind is that we're not at the differentiation stage within the AI trade per se, but we have gotten into differentiation between the Magnificent Seven, which is a good start in terms of rationality.
Yeah, I saw the lead time thing, I think, on Sunday night or Monday, and I said, hmm, that's sort of interesting. It's be, it's going to be fascinating to see what the market's interpretation is. Obviously, you can make a negative uh, thesis on the back of that, or you could say, you know what? They're just obviously ramping up supply and demand is still robust. With all that said, you know, this is a company that's probably trading at about 19 times sales at current price-ish. You know, yes, in terms of price to earnings, it's reasonable without question, but you know, can they grow into, I mean, historically, you can tell me a lot better than I know what the right price to sales is for a semiconductor stock. It's probably half of what we're trading. I guess the question is, can they grow into that price to sales? Well, it's a really interesting point you bring up, Guy, because the one thing they said on the call it was that I was like, huh, is they guided to 77% gross margins. And they said, yeah, but that's going to go back to 75% because of mix going forward. And with a lot of semi companies, I sort of have a you know big picture rule is follow the direction of margins and you'll figure out the direction mm -hmm. of the stock. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's not the case today, but to your point, are they over earning to some degree? Probably, right? Because right. they can charge a massive premium or they don't have to discount these chips at all. And they're the chips that everyone wants. If they can't get that, then will they buy an AMD chip? Absolutely. But or and by AMD to keep Nvidia honest to some degree. Um, See, and that's, that's, that's quickly. That's the that's for me is the disconnect, right? Reasonable, if not cheap, on a price to earnings, but on a price to sales, doesn't make a lot of sense. So something's got to give there, and I think that's the point that you're making now. Yeah, and and so here's the thing. And I think this is hard for anybody who isn't super close to the fundamentals because we can get into, well, you know, I have concerns over Singapore and how much it was up. And you can go through all the bits and pieces. But at the end of the day, we're all in this to make money. Right. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I always say nothing wrong with investing in a bubble. You just have to know you're in one and be watching for the exits when it breaks, because you made a lot of money in that 2000 tech bubble. Unfortunately, on the other side of it, you lost 78% as NASDAQ went down, peaked to trough 78%. Yeah. So for me, I know I am going to see a day of reckoning. And for people who don't remember, if you go back about a year and a half ago, two years ago, actually not quite two years ago, NVIDIA's revenues went down 30% in, I think, 20, 20 to 30% in six months mm -hmm. after the overinvestment during COVID ended. So this was in the first part of 2020, uh, 2022. Mm -hmm. And then Patchy, and and this was because you had the Amazons and the Facebooks and the, you know, the, the, the Googles and Microsofts all investing a ton because of all the demand during COVID, and then you couldn't get supply. And then, you know, they digested it all, and you had this big revenue shortfall over a period of six months at NVIDIA and the stock got hammered. Then ChatGPT showed up and you hit this whole generative AI wave. And so that's just a reminder of what can happen. But timing is always the tricky part of figuring that out. And you know, you can look at Tesla last year as an example of it, right? Where Tesla's estimates for the December quarter that they just reported came down 50% over the course of last year. Now, if you had a crystal ball and you knew that, you go, oh, well, Tesla stock's going to be terrible. No, the stock actually doubled last year. Now, this year, obviously, people are caring, but you know, you have the backdrop of whatever the Fed is doing, and we've gone from they're going to 
cut rates by seven times this year to, you know, three or four. And so things are starting to change. And I think stocks are starting to react to those earnings. And that gets us back to NVIDIA, where I think for right now, it's not like it's trading at 100 PE where, you know, you have to be that concerned about this at this point because demand still looks strong. But watch the lead times. One of the risks is gone with China. But the second one is how much double and triple ordering is Meta or Amazon or Microsoft, all the big guys in the U.S. doing? And when do you get to more normalization of that? Because yeah. that is going to occur at some point. Yeah, no, no doubt. And before we get to the broader ecosystem and some of those names that you just mentioned, and I know that some of the names that you've been invested in and playing this theme, let's talk about competition that that guy just mentioned. So you talk about that gross margin at 77%. You talk about the double and triple order and their ability to, to basically, they own the market share in these high-end GPUs, right? So they, they're charging whatever they want right now. And so, in you know, AMD, you know, has doubled in the last four months because they have a product that's coming to market that's going to compete. This is a 53% gross margin company. They are going to compete on price, right? And, and to your point about the basically customers keeping NVIDIA honest, right? They want second sources. They are trying to develop their own chips. Every morning we wake up to a new story about that. And so that's, I guess, my only point. Listen, Dan, we do something very different than what you do. You manage a long short fund, okay? And you are trying to maximize returns. And you've had, and you've been a a great, I want to say, friend of mine and, and, and our pods. You've come on OK Computer with me every quarter and you've laid out your thesis um, uh, as far as tech and, and even broader at macro. And you're not only doing tech, you, you like to invest in mega trends. But this is one, like, for us, you know, we can miss this last 200, 300 points of NVIDIA. I can try to short it at 500 last year, you know, this and that, whatever. Like, we're detailing what we do on a daily basis. Ours is generally commentary. You're investing for your investors and your fund, okay? So we just want to make um, those two things very different. So now when I think about, though, the competition, we're trying to figure out what can go wrong. Does mm -hmm. that make sense, guys? Because we know through our experience, Dan, that a lot of retail investors are making, you know, buying decisions out of FOMO. They're, they're making bad sell decisions out of fear. And we're just trying to point out the other side of this. Okay. So let's just talk about that competitive standpoint right now, because there could become a date in the not so distant future where meta moves something over to AMD and Microsoft does the same or co-pilots not doing what they expected. So talk to us a little bit about that moment in time and how you will be positioned. So the biggest thing you have to think about is all the hyperscalers are developing their own chips. So even yesterday, part of the reason why during the day NVIDIA stock was acting you know, not great was Microsoft announced that they're using Intel to foundry their own AI-related chip. And don't forget, Amazon has their own with Gravitron. Um, Microsoft's got Cobalt, I think as mm -hmm. it's called. You know, um, all of the all of the players are trying to develop their own silicon. Um, and so some portion of the AI market is going to actually be with these mega hyperscalers, for one. But the market for NVIDIA's chips is a lot more sticky than people think because the big advantage in some ways that they have is their software. And they've developed their software that helps you program these chips uh, to, to oversimplify over the course of a, 
a decade. And so it's not easy for an AMD to catch up because to some degree designing the chip is the easy part, but con convincing all the engineers to use it because these engineers are familiar with CUDA, which is NVIDIA's software platform that this stuff you know, runs on, that's a lot harder to pull off. And so the, the linchpin to me though, it, it's just the valuation. And the valuation could go up a lot more. And I'll give you a great example. One of the greatest screw-ups of my life, but one of the best in terms of me making money in the future was the following. I remember Dell Computer back in 1999. I had a buy rating on the stock. I was on the sell side. And I downgraded it because it got to a 40 PE. And I'm like, well, every and it got to that level because there was this new thing called the internet. And they were selling computers on the internet. And I sort of looked at that and I said, but wait a minute, like Compaq can sell computers on the internet, so can Hewlett Packard, so can everybody else. This is nothing that unique. And trading at 40 times when typically it had traded in the high 20s didn't make a lot of sense. The stock then went from 40 times PE to 80 times at its peak. And, and then, and I remember this well, I was doing some work on it and I was going, wait a minute, it looks like they're going to actually miss the quarter. And so then I put a sell rating on it. The stock then went from $100 a share to 90. Then they reported, and they, in fact, they did, the numbers came in a little light. Then the stock went to 80, and that multiple compressed back into the single digits over a period of time. So I guess the point is the bubbles can get more crazy than you ever imagined possible. And you can't say that, you know, an NVIDIA trading at 34 times, and I understand your point, Guy, about they're over earning, right? And on a price to sales basis, it's expensive. But the moat that they have around their AI chip isn't just the chip, it's all the software, it's all the engineers that have grown up from college on learning to program these chips. And it is the best chip on the planet. The MI300, by the way, is a very good chip from AMD, which is why it's getting some of the benefit of the doubt. Um, but Make no mistake, they've been working on this for a very, very long period of time. I've known Jensen since the mid-90s. And believe it or not, even back then, he was talking about how GPUs were going to be bigger than CPUs one day and how he was going to be bigger than Intel and AMD. And I remember meeting him in the mid-90s, hearing this and going, wait a minute, you're in, you're in the graphics card business competing with S3 and Cirrus Logic and Acumos and names that most of your viewers never even heard about. And here we are today. So... I think don't, unlike back in the 2000 bubble, I think to some degree, NVIDIA is in a much stronger position than let's say a Cisco was back then, which at that point was the most valuable company in the world. So all, that's the only thing points. I would say. All fair points. And, th and we have a great audience, by the way. And if you haven't, people should subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's what we're doing this on. We have a wonderful audience. So check that out. But before we let you go, you know, as Dan mentioned, long, short, well, one of your short positions, which again, I'm sure infuriated a lot of people, but wound up being correct, was Anything Apple. And, and I will tell you, I mean, that stock hasn't traded particularly well since December, but I think you may have flipped. So first of all, congratulations on that short because it clearly worked out. And what's the thought process here? My sense is you don't think they're necessarily out of the woods, but you're looking at this more of, I think, at a trading portfolio. Yeah, no, and I should have probably been more clear around that. For us, we have like three parts of the book. We have the fundamental positions and what we're thinking long-term. And from that perspective, I still think Apple's absolutely screwed. Um, they have a competition issue. Everybody wants to say this is, oh, it's China's economy. That's not it. 
It's because Huawei can now has a new smartphone, flagship phone. And for your viewers who don't know this, they were the second biggest smartphone company in the world in 2019 before the U.S. put sanctions on them getting chips. Now they're gaining back share, and they're gaining back share rapidly. The second thing is Apple does not have AI on their smartphones. You can get a Samsung Galaxy, and some of you may have seen the Super Bowl commercial where you uh, circle the search, where you can circle an image on your screen, and it'll go out to the Internet and figure out what it is and give you information on it. Apple doesn't have that feature. And the final one is the foldable phones have been a category for a while, but they've always had the issue of you fold it and the, the screen gets a crease in the middle. And they've solved a lot of those issues. And now that category is actually doing pretty darn well. And Apple doesn't have one of those either. And you, and you can go and pay a high 20s multiple for a company that if you look at the March quarter guidance for revenues, they're the same as they were three years ago. So why on earth would you want to pay a high 20s multiple where you can buy the S&P at 20 times for a company that's not wrong? And so that's my issue with Apple. Now, by the way, last year, did it matter? Absolutely not. Stock was up 48%, even though estimates came down all year. This year, it's starting to matter. Now, the, the second part of the portfolio is we have a quant screen, and, and I have this to protect me from myself is the best way to put it. Because when you have a fundamental view, you have to be aware of the fact that you can end up with these vicious, you know, short term. And by short term, I mean over the course of two to three days to a week rally in stocks. And so we have a quant program that sits on top of my entire portfolio and says, hey, look, this is the probability of Apple rallying over the course of the next week. This is the, you know, how much it could potentially go up. And we had a massive short position on it. And we're like, you know, the odds were so good. And we do this all the time with Apple. I mean, people think we're short all the time, which it's funny reading my Twitter comments sometimes because we get long and short all the time. We've been long Apple before. And mm -hmm. so we flipped it, got long it. And what's interesting today, and, you know, I'm debating actually selling it and getting back short again, is it went up yesterday, it's up again today, but it's not rallying that much. And so I go, all right, it's gotten off of some of the oversold, deeply oversold conditions it had. It's clearly not participating in the AI rally or the tech rally, which tells me that maybe people are starting to really think through, should we really own Apple? And we'll be shorted again. We're short Tesla. We're short Google. Um, we yeah. can get into those two as well. So yeah. we're long for the Magnificent Seven, um, you know, NVIDIA, um, uh, Amazon, that, Facebook, yeah. Microsoft, and we're short the other three. All right, so Dan, let, let's do that really quickly because um, I do think it's interesting that we're just seeing a little bit of dispersion, right? And so, you know, the MAG-7 has now become the Fab Four. And, you know, at some point, there'll be an interesting story about AI on an iPhone, but it's probably not going to yeah. be for another year or so. And, and I think your point is, is that people will continue to load in the things that are working and, and make sense where you're seeing upward estimate revisions. You are not seeing that in Apple. Let's talk about Google here for a second, the alphabet, because again, you and I have talked about an OK computer over the last year. It was a really bad year for them on a product front, right? Especially as ChatGPT was kind of their lunch and all of a sudden people are talking about Microsoft Bing and they're talking about Copilot and they're not talking about Google searches anymore. Talk to me about this stock right here right now because a lot of folks who look at tech and maybe don't get as granular as you do on the fundamentals, they say this is the cheapest mega cap tech stock. They still own their space and this and that or whatever, but you think something different here about Alphabet. Yeah, so, so to your point, it comes down to how do people view this? 
from a multiple perspective. So can you get a much higher, because it's got a market multiple right now. So people have put it in the category, and I think this is where it belongs, which is if you look at the most recent quarter, they missed their search revenues. It is the most important business for them. It is incredibly high margin. Now, why is that? Well, some of us are using ChatGPT and others, and ChatGPT is now, you know, forecast to get to two billion in revenues. You've got other AI-related things coming out, so some search advertising is moving to other channels. As big or bigger an issue is very big established companies like Netflix. Disney, and now Amazon Prime starting on January 29th, Amazon Prime started to show ads on um, Amazon Prime. And so some of the dollars that would go to advertising inside YouTube is now also going to other channels. So Google, when they reported, they missed search, they missed YouTube, and they missed owned owned and operated, which is their other category, inside advertising. And so when your core business has that kind of issue, you kind of have to think about it and go, hmm, well, maybe competition is starting to have some impact. Now, the big picture that I don't agree with, and so with Google, it's one of those things where I'm just watching to see how they progress, is Google has more training data than anyone on the planet. They have eight different products with over a billion users each. So unless you think they've gotten really stupid all of a sudden, you got to believe at some point they get a good AI engine competitor to chat GPT going. It hasn't happened so far, but Google's the one that I watch the most in terms of, you know, is this a long at some point if they finally get this figured out? Because right now they're sort of in this struggle of search is the golden goose. We don't want to kill the golden goose. But we've got this thing on the side that's eating our lunch and we need to go figure this out because if we don't deal with it, it's going to deal with us at some point in the future. So that's how I'm trying to think about Google in the background, because I would love to get along this name. The other kicker here is much like with Facebook, which is the best at using AI to drive their business. They're they're using it to drive their ads and they're using it to drive the the videos they show us um, to increase our engagement. You have a presidential election coming up, and this is going to be the most expensive in history by a long margin. And you're going to have tons spent on advertising. Google has to, you believe, I believe, has to benefit from that, right? And so at some point, as we get closer to the November elections, does this flip to being along, especially if they've gotten, you know, figured out some of the issues around AI? I hope so, because for me, like I'm a growth at a reasonable price type of investor. This would be just absolutely perfect to have if they could just get through that. But right now they have a competition issue. And I do not like competition issues where the numbers tell you they're taking share versus the sentiment, which drives me crazy when stocks just react to sentiment, not to actual fundamentals. You know, it's interesting, Dan. I just want to give all of our listeners and viewers um, a month ago, you were with me on OK Computer um, and you had a lot of the similar sentiments about all of these stocks. So 
you got to want to listen to this guy when he speaks. When you see him on CNBC, you can go to DanNiles.com. You can follow him on the Twitter. Um, we are so appreciative that you join us on our pod. So, Dan, we really appreciate that. The one thing I just want to say to you about the, the Google thing, it's interesting because I, I made this point, at least on Fast Money or maybe on Twitter, you know, people are talking about, let's say, a company like Perplexity, the way that they're talking about Google back in 2001, okay? And, and, and think about that, right? Like Google was like this upstart challenging these huge incumbents, right? Like Yahoo and AOL and even Microsoft's aspirations, that sort of thing. And it's funny, people, it, like the way I hear people talk about Perplexity is like towards Google right now. It, it's just an interesting juxtaposition and it's important to have a bit of memory as it comes to the markets. I, I think you would agree with that. No, absolutely. And before that, you had Netscape and you had Alta Vista before that. And so, you know, in hindsight, everybody goes, oh, it was clear Google was going to win. No, it wasn't. It wasn't clear that Meta was going to win either because people forget MySpace before that. And so that's the beauty of technology. You think, oh, this company's just absolutely unassailable. Like IBM was unassailable. Then along comes DEC. And Deck's unassailable. And then along comes Dell. And Dell's unassailable. And then along comes Apple, you know, or even in smartphones, Nokia, you can't beat that. Well, Motorola Razor, well, you can't beat that. And then Ring Blackberry, well, you can't beat that. And then there's this thing called iPhone. Oh, well, you know, we'll see. So I think I love tech because if you're really on top of it, you get great opportunities, long and short. And you're right, perplexity is fascinating. And the thing that gets companies into trouble, and, and you're absolutely right, Dan, is that they have this big cash generation engine and they're loath to upset their customers that use it. And every, you know, Google's a word, right? Oh, just go Google that, right? It's a verb. It's that's really hard to pull off. Um, but you know, perplexity, other things that you're hearing about. They're really fascinating. And so can you see search being replaced with the conversational AI? And then maybe this is more detail than you need. But the way I think about it is as follows. You type in hotel in San Francisco and Google will give you like 10 links to look at. And then it's up to you to do the research to figure out, well, which hotel. You put that into a generative AI engine. You say hotel in San Francisco. And then it'll respond back and say, well, how close to downtown do you want to be? And you put that in. Well, do you... Does a gym matter to you? What about a restaurant? And so you have a conversation instead of you having to do all this work, and then it'll spit you out what the answer is, and these are the best choices for you. That's a very different experience, and I think it's one that all of us would prefer relative to having to go down you know, 10 links, click on each one, and figure this all out ourselves. And so there's a real opportunity for perplexity and other companies that are doing it this different way to really make inroads unless Google, you know, bites the bullet and, you know, deals with this up front and really gets on it. And, you know, and they can do it. But the question is, will they? And that's the big question. Yeah. Well, listen, Dan, we appreciate you um, getting to the bottom of all of this with us today. You guys know where to find them. DanNiles.com. You can find them um, on the Twitter. Um, thank you so much, Dan. We really appreciate your time. Uh, my pleasure. I always love being able to get into detail with stuff, and this is a great forum to do it. So appreciate you, you and uh, Guy having me on. Well, the mic is always here for you, Dan. We appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, bud. All right.
Take All care. Right, good luck out there. I got, we got to do it here. We got to bring them bring in. Let's yeah, so bring them in. But Dan Niles, yeah, I mean, there's certain people you absolutely have to listen to. You don't have to agree with them, but you have to listen to what he has to say. And Dan Niles is one of those people. Another one is a great Carter Carter Braxton. Braxton. Well, Carter, you, you, you've been around these markets for a little bit here, and, and we've been following Dan for a long time. I've known Dan for a long time, and it's really fun to kind of go deep on some of these topics here from a fundamental standpoint. So we appreciate you coming in because we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty of the tacticals here, bud. Well, you know, obviously, uh, obviously so much going on, but I, I think one thing to just spend a little time on is, is the 40,000-foot uh, point that Dan was making about – um, how there's always someone that comes along and and changes uh, the landscape and and the perceived leader is no longer. And what he was talking about is, of course, whether it's uh, how MySpace is a leader or IBM at one point. But what it really is, it's beyond that. It's just any innovation. So, wow, you've got electricity. Yeah. And all the rest of you have candles. That's just innovation. Wow. You've got the horse. I got a car. That's called innovation. Yeah. And uh, wow, you write letters. That's cool. I got this thing called Western Union. I can send a letter instantly. Oh, wow. Western Union, you have a telegraph. We got a telephone. It's always about innovation. And it's not whether you call it tech or not, whether it's car versus horse, electricity versus candle, telephone versus letter. This is the way life is, right? And so, yes, there will be a point, not now where Justice Cisco is nothing and IBM is nothing. Um, and this will also be the case whether it's Apple or NVIDIA. But those are very long cycle things. And you just got to be sort of uh, in the moment and try to profit when the profits are there to be had. Well, the charts you brought with you, let's start with NVIDIA, because that's obviously the topic of the day. So let's take a look at your charts and see if they're telling you anything, Dubs. Okay. Not really. Uh, so here I've, I've done a log scale to try to mute the rate of change. And when you do that, you say, hey, what's so steep and uncorrected about this? It isn't. Um, if we pull bit back a bit longer term and look at this same circumstance from the lows of October, of course, of 2022, which are the market lows, uh, also showing not that extended. We can pull it back even further. And then this then becomes the issue. This This channel, which is now in effect, for uh, a decade, we're getting close. And I think that's, um, you're, you're talking about another 10 to 12%, if that, at which point, sure, it's uh, if you have it, I would take measures, reduce, do something. Well, there are a couple ETFs, and SMH is one, but you brought the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. That's known affectionately as the SOC. So let's walk through this. Yeah, it's the same as SMH, but it's making a slight new high today, remarkably uh, benign, uh, despite the contribution from the biggest constituent. No lines here, no arrows. Let's put some in uh, a well-defined channel, and we're not quite at the top of it. Uh, at the top of it, uh, that will be a difficult level. Now, importantly, if we look at some long-term charts of the SOX, um, there picks up the dot-com peak. Let's annotate it. And so we've we've just broken out from a sort of a two-year range. But the really important thing, and then we'll end with these, is the relative performance has been so poor. Take a look at this chart. This is a ratio chart. It's a semiconductor index divided by the S&P. Let's put the let's annotate the dot-com peak. Semis have yet to recoup. Mm -hmm. They're of the losses associated with the dot-com excess. And so I think one thing to think about is that we're likely to at least 
get back to break even with the S&P, where that blue horizontal line is. Even worse, take a look at the relative performance of semis to the tech sector. So this is semis, all of them, relative to Microsoft and Apple and all the other big tech names. Let's also annotate this one. One could say this has so much to room to run, or one could say this is still a cyclical business, and the cyclicality shows that this has been a horrible area to be invested relative to tech in general, and that is the truth. Hey, Carter, let's let's broaden out a little bit in semis because you know there's a lot of stuff up in sympathy today with NVIDIA. Let, let's look at AMD. It's up 11% here. It's trading very near an all-time high that it made, I, I think, about a, a month ago or so. I mean, it is pretty astounding. And, and Dan just said it. You know, these guys guided down for the March quarter, right? And and look at the stock from its October lows. It's up 100%, right? So, so it's doubled here. Um, and when you look at like what you just demonstrated to us on a relative basis versus the broad market over a long period of time, I look at some quick gains in a handful of stocks like this in a group that has been a huge underperformer, again, relative to the market for a long time. And I say to myself, I don't want to play from the long side here because I know what happens next. I can't exactly time it. And, and I have not done a good job timing it uh, on a short-term basis, but it just doesn't seem that particularly investable at this point. If you are new to the game, if you are reading all the stuff about a new industry right now and listening to Jensen Wang and watching all the pom-poms out all over financial TV and stuff, it just seems like the wrong time to get in right now or to be adding to lawns, in my opinion. I mean, that is the issue, right? And in time, it's, it's so hard, uh, but also so important. Um, and even people who are... Uh, only fundamentals, they say, oh, well, you don't time markets. Of course they do. When they decide to buy something, they're making a judgment that that's the right time based on value or whatever other criteria they're looking at. Um, but AMD in particular is churning, grinding, uh, is not progressing. Um, and interestingly, that's the case with socks to some extent only making a slight new high. I'd also point out just in terms of you know the, the overall tech sector, You know, even right now, we might be able to pull up XLK. It's not made a new high, even with the contribution of NVIDIA today. So XLK, there it is. Maybe let's tighten that up and just do a six-month chart so we can really see. I mean, with NVIDIA's strength, XLK gapping up today, not made a high in two weeks. Apple's a big uh, problem here, obviously, uh, and is dragging, but Microsoft and others. So it's interesting whether we are We've heard from everyone and that maybe even here with NVIDIA's great contribution to the market and to the SMH and to the XLK, of course, what we're looking at now, that we're not really progressing. So it will be interesting to see whether indeed this turns out to be an intermediate top. Carter, before we say goodbye, it's interesting. The Dow's up a percent, S&P's up 2%. NASDAQ's up effectively 3%. I rounded up. Um, if you're looking for exhaustion, buy side exhaustion or sell side, what would be the signs today that maybe we're getting close in your opinion? Well, how NVIDIA closes will be one. Notice how when Walmart gapped up on its earnings, it closed on the absolute low. And we can pull up Walmart just for fun to make this point. And so it would be a reversal intraday, of course, that would tell us that. But it's the inability for now, uh, whether XLK, the most important, and QQQ, if they can't make new highs, there's the reversal in Walmart. Look at that. It gapped up and then filled the gap. 
uh, two days later. Obviously, that kind of reversal in NVIDIA, not likely, it seems, but that's something to look for. But in general, if the XLK and the QQ cannot make new highs, S&P is, uh, that starts to mean something. Hey, Carter, you know, I was looking at the same sort of thing we were talking about on the desk and fast money last night, guy, when the stock was up seven, eight, nine percent, which was basically the implied move is about 10 percent to see the big money come in here and buy it the way it has. Maybe they could show us an intraday chart of NVIDIA um, is pretty astounding, right? When you think about it, I, I, for whatever reason, they want to get it to 2 trillion, that's going to happen. But then I start to get nervous. If we get this thing over 800, you know, those folks who mm -hmm. like to see nice round numbers of 1000. I mean, I, I just, I look at, look at that. I mean, they bought it right after the opening and then just been sitting there buying every share that they, you know, it gets offered. Right. And so I, I don't know that, that, makes me a little nervous about what might happen um, if we get into funny mode. And I just want to bring up a couple other things here. Like look at Eli Lilly, you know, it was selling off a little bit as the semis were selling off. It's the same sort of mega trend sort of trade. You know what I mean? And I just think it's interesting that that thing, you know, is up today on not a whole heck of a lot of news. Look at a JP Morgan. We were talking about this one, you know, yesterday, Carter, where, you know, you know, lower rates, higher rate, doesn't matter, right? Like just buy JP Morgan, new all-time highs every day over the last few months or so. Talk to us a little bit about some of these names that are getting extremely crowded because you're seeing massive underperformance by many of their peers too. It's all the same sequence. Those of October, the move now, five-month move. One more just to add to this to make a point. Look at Wingstop, W-I-N-G. This speaks so much to timing, too. So that stock was 150 in October, and now it's 350. So the business has doubled. Are they selling twice as many wings? The wings are twice as delicious? I mean, the point is, there is no such thing as valuation. Things can get very stretched the downside. Um, they can get very stretched the upside. But at some point, uh, things do get overdone. And every day, a flavor of the day, there's both great winners. And then, of course, I'm sure you looked at it yesterday, PANW. And maybe we'll end with that one for fun, P-A-N-W, or you get your clock cleaned, right? So No question about it. And listen, again, check out us on YouTube. Subscribe to Risk Reversal on YouTube. Risk Reversal Media, by the way. Leave comments, like the videos. Thanks for joining us today. And you mentioned Palo Alto. It's interesting because on Instagram yesterday, we actually gave levels that P-A-N-W should hold. And, you know, we get, a, well, I get a lot wrong. This is one we actually got right. You know, we thought sort of that 260-ish level would be support. And if you go back and look yesterday, that's pretty much where. Now, I, I understand that a lot of pa Palo Alto's move today is it's getting dragged up by the broader market. But, you know, sometimes you find levels that make sense. But Carter, before we sort of say goodbye, what I'll say is what we've created now are a lot of gaps on the downside with these moves higher, these gap open moves higher. You know, the gaps that have been created in individual stocks and some of these indices well, I mean, listen, they can last for a while. You've said it before, but, you know, the longer they last, the more chance they will be filled at some point. At Thoughts, some on point. Thoughts on that? Yeah, well, there are different, there are uh, sort of continuation gaps. There are breakaway gaps, uh, extension gaps, and sort of exhaustion gaps, a lot to it. But uh, uh, yes, there have been uh, a lot of re-ratings to securities gapping up and down in response to earnings, which is often the case in the quarterly cycle. But some of it's been especially aggressive, as seen here by PNW or, of course, uh, by uh, NVIDIA. 
All right, Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. We really appreciate you joining our very special market call today. Thanks, bud. We'll see you very soon. Um, Guy, we covered a lot of ground with two of our faves. We covered uh, the fundamentals of what's going on in the tech space, specifically in the, uh, you know, in the uh, generative AI space and the semi space also, and then obviously the technicals. Perfect day to have Dan Niles on. I mean, we couldn't have scripted that any better. And we actually did script it because we obviously knew it was going to be the aftermath. And obviously, Carter's always great to have on. Butters is on vacation what in michigan or something in michigan or somewhere. you know who's not on vacation the rangers our, well and mike wilson so if you like oh. the podcast today okay uh, if you like this market call we're about to sit down with mike wilson danny moses obviously our on the tape pod partner that's going to drop tomorrow in your favorite podcast store guy what is your favorite podcast store by well the way? you know i typically go to um yeah, the application store, the application and then you store, search around for look, something. Yeah. All right, well, Mike is going to join us. Um, he is the head U.S. equity strategist uh, at Morgan Stanley. He's been a great friend of our pod. I think he's been on every quarter with us since we launched the On the, the Tape sixth, podcast. I want to say it's the sixth, maybe more than that now. You know, and I just want to say this one thing. You know, you know, a lot of folks know us um, from CBC's Fast Money, and we love doing that show. And it was really, it's an honor to be there as news is breaking and, and to be able to talk about it and meet the folks that we do and all the pros from CNBC, all the reporters and the hosts and that sort of thing. But it's also really fun to sit on our butts like this and actually be able to ask the questions of some of the, the brilliant market minds like Carter and Dan and obviously Mike Wilson and take as much time as we need because that is not something that works so well on TV all the time. No, and Dan, listen, he his answers require, oh, yeah. you know, to give him the time to sort of explain what's going on. He does not speak in sound bites, uh, you know, you know, I am one to do that. He is not. And that's why it's so important to have him on. So today was a fun day. Yep. Obviously a lot of time left in the day. The S&P's up a hundred handles on the screws. So 1%, 2%, 3% across the board. See if it holds. We're not back tomorrow. Although if something happens, we will be. Otherwise folks, we'll see you on Monday. Again, check out our YouTube page, Risk Reversal Media. Subscribe. It's free. Like the videos, leave some comments and check out our podcast, which will drop tomorrow as Dan said with Mike Wilson. Yeah, thanks everyone. We'll see you next week.